Hi, guys. Welcome or welcome back to the podcast. My name is Kathy, and I create content about my life as a 40-something-year-old single mother of two who works full-time while attending law school in beautiful, sunny Southern California. Happy New Year again, in case you happen to missed miss last week's episode. Today is January 10th. This episode will be live January 11th, so happy Friday. This past Monday, I started my last semester of law school, which is actually very exciting. It means graduation's right around the corner. It's also a little frustrating, intimidating, overwhelming all at the same time. Frustrating more so because there's so much to do and even more to learn and memorize. We're basically starting like a pre-bar prep course it's called Bar Studies. Capstone, as I've learned, is much more geared towards the performance test part of the bar exam. So it's basically starting early bar prep in January. Um, so yeah, seven full months, basically, of bar prep. So that's fun. I'm also back to the drawing board regarding my diet, health, wellness, fitness journey for the new year, which I will talk about more in next next week's episode i met with my hematologist again i see a a hematologist for my iron deficiency anemia he had some recommendations so we're trying to tweak some things and get a plan that will work for me so hopefully i'll have more info on that next week this past weekend we visited sacramento it was an absolutely amazing trip we stayed at the fort sutter hotel in midtown sacramento highly recommend it is right in down or right in midtown but we felt safe there's coffee shops around there was parking clothes tons of local bars and restaurants little shops super cute area everyone was extremely nice the lady who checked us in her name was tiara she was fantastic she asked what we were doing in sacramento and we told her we were looking at apartments she took time to hand write a list of apartments that she would recommend as a local that she thought was in safe areas that we might actually like. She brought the list to our room. She suggested local cafes. Like it was just fantastic. She was fantastic. So if you're ever in Sacramento, I highly recommend the Fort Sutter Hotel in Midtown. We were able to, to to tour two apartments. One was a repeat that we had seen before. One was a new one. Loved them both. So we currently have a short list of like three or four possibilities. We're just keeping an eye on their website for availability of a three-bedroom around our time frame. So fingers crossed on that. That's all I have on the school home life front. As you all know, today is our first interview here on the podcast. Please be patient with any technological difficulties. I am new at doing interviews and at editing interview audio and getting it all synced up and mixed together. So if there's any slight errors or delays, I apologize in advance. It will only get better from here. So let's get into that interview. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing my friend and fellow paralegal, Allison Kite. Allison and I met back in 2014, both working at a law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. Allison has handled a variety of cases from automobile accidents to wrongful death, nursing home negligence, negligence security, you name it, she's done it. Allison is also a NALA certified paralegal and is currently taking her 
courses to learn more about entrepreneurship. So Allison truly comes with a wealth of knowledge. I have 10 specific questions for Allison, but if you have a question for her or a topic that we discuss, message me over on Instagram and I will get you an answer. If we have enough questions, some back for a part two. But without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hi, Allison. Hi, Kathy. Thank you for joining me today for the very first That Law Life podcast interview. Get right to it. First, if you don't mind, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to college? What did you study? Just give us all of the details. Okay, so, well, thank you first for that wonderful welcoming. Like, that was amazing. I was kind of surprised myself. Um, But I grew up in, (laughs) I grew up in Georgia, and I grew up in a small city called Lithonia. I am not from Atlanta, so I will not say that I am, but it's on the outskirts (laughs) of the metro Atlanta area. I grew, I went to school there, um, elementary school, middle school, high school, Uh, I graduated from there, went to Albany State University for my freshman year, came back to the city and then graduated from Georgia State University. And while I was in school, I worked my way through college. So that is me all in a nutshell. (laughs) I tried to give like the condensed version, but um, I had always been, you know, pretty close to home, never too far away. So you know, that's that's my little story. What did you study in college? Um, in college, I studied business. I so while I was working, I really wanted to be a coordinator uh, because I worked in retail. So they had this international program when I started that really piqued my attention. You would be at the store for two weeks. You would be out the store for two weeks, traveling, setting up different stores. Unfortunately, the recession hit and I think it was like 2006. Don't quote me on that. But when the recession hit, they took the program away. But that's what really got me into wanting to do business and and traveling and then kind of learning a little bit about accounting because Allison wanted to make money. I mean, don't we all? (laughs) But that kind of leads me to my next question. So like... Did you always know that you wanted to be a paralegal and work in the legal field or was it a career that kind of found you? It was a career that found me. Um, I don't know if I've ever shared this, like what my goals were or what I wanted to do when I was younger, but I love music. So I wanted to be a choreographer and I wanted to be on television interviewing any and everybody like Oprah. So, um, no, law was never a thought of mine, but as I, (laughs) I know like that's, I I don't think I've ever told anybody that, but, um, it just, you know, choreography did not, that was not the path that I was destined to be on and law fell into my lap. I, um, again, I worked in retail in college and I worked there for seven years. And even once I graduated, I was still there trying to work my way up through the ranks. And, you know, sometimes God moves you out of something even when you're not ready. So I kind of got stiff-armed out of retail. And my now sister-in-law, 
she was working at a firm in Atlanta and she told me they were hiring for a receptionist and that is how I got into law. Okay. I started as a receptionist as well. So that's something else that we have in common. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned in your intro, you are a NALA certified paralegal. So you are all in. Tell us where did you obtain your certification? How did you choose like your particular program? And would you recommend that program to others who may want to be certified? Okay. Uh, so I went to National Paralegal College. And first of all, National Paralegal College was amazing. Um, it is for a non-traditional student, but they also have actual courses. Like if you're trying to obtain your associate's degree or your bachelor's or even your master's. So they do also have like regular courses for a, a regular student. Um, their program is set up to where you have live lectures and then if you're not able to attend the live lecture, you still have to interact weekly in order to get points. So that was something for me that I needed because it I needed the accountability to make sure that I got the work done and I didn't just kind of like procrastinate or wait to the last minute. Like it forced me to sit down and do the work. Uh, so I would highly recommend National Paralegal College. I will say that as far as the cost and the tuition of the school, it is a little bit more on the expensive side. If you pay your tuition off in full, it's like 50% cheaper. And then each payment plan, I think the lower the payment plan, the longer it is, of course, to pay it off. But the cost went up a little bit more with the longer payment plan. So they let you do like a monthly? Is that how they did the certificate program? Yes, they let you do a monthly and then um, you're just obligated to pay until, of course, you pay off your tuition in full. But even after you finish the course, if you haven't paid it off, you just continue to make those monthly payments. Or if, you know, you had a raise or a good month or a bonus and you wanted to pay it a little bit earlier, you could do that also. So there were, you know, it was still opportunities to get it paid off, but for those of us that are, you know, working the nine to five, the, the payment plan was great and it was very easy. There was no credit checks. It's like you were able to pick the payment plan that you wanted to do. Which is nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. think that the course load was enough where, you know, you could still work a full time job without being completely overwhelmed? I do, um, because you're, you were able at the school to kind of pick which courses and how many courses you wanted to take at it. So you could actually push the courses out, like if there was not, or if there was like maybe two or three courses at one time and you're like, you know, I just can't do that. You had the opportunity to maybe take the course the following um, time they offered it, or if you wanted to push it out to the following year, you had the opportunity to do that. So even if pick a course and then you decided like, oh, you know, this is going to be too much. As long as you did it within the time frame that they allotted, then you were able to not necessarily drop the class, but transfer out of it and go to another class. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. And if you give me the name again at the end, I will put it in the show notes for anyone that might be interested and maybe a link to their website so that they can, so that will be in the show notes. Great. 
awesome. Shout out to National Paralegal College, too. They were awesome. Great, great school. <laughs> okay, so both of us being in the legal field for so many years, I think we can agree that the legal field in general has a ton of opportunities, probably more than we even realize. I know all the years that we were in Georgia and Florida working together, like my position that I have now in California, I never even knew that, first of all, what a conflicts analyst was really, or that it was an entire full-time position that could pay well. So would you recommend to someone who's not in the legal field becoming a legal assistant or a paralegal? Do you think that it's still, you know, a good viable career path in 2024? And if so, where would you recommend that someone start? I would 100% recommend the legal field to anybody that's interested. It's funny, this field, like you think about law and you think about attorneys and attorneys going to law school to become an attorney and you you just think about all of the schooling that you hear about with law but it's also a field where you don't necessarily have to have all of the education to get in you just have to work you know and if you're willing to do the work then you could be as successful as the next person and I think that that is something that I really love about this field because sometimes you don't have an idea about what you want to do and to be able to step into like an entry level position to kind of get a feel for it and then work your way into a senior position or a management position, I think is great. So I would 100% recommend um, starting out in the legal field and, you know, getting into a firm that believes in growth and in training and investing in their employees because it will take you it can take you a long way you know I think about how I started how you started and you know speaking for myself I didn't have any experience in law I didn't know anything about law like I was a blank canvas and it took one attorney just believing in my ability and saying you know I think you can do this and pairing you with the right people that it turned into a really great career. So I would 100% recommend it. Um, Start as a legal assistant, start as a receptionist. It's okay. You can start as and just learn it. And, you know, there's no ego. (laughs) You learn the, the more, you know, the better, and then you just become versatile and ask questions. So again, yeah, I would definitely recommend it to anyone. I would as well. I mean, we both started as receptionists and just kind of worked our way up and could do that with zero experience because we both did it. So I definitely agree. Um, If someone listening is on the job hunt, is there anything that you would consider to be a red flag or good questions that they should ask? I know one for me is asking about like overtime. Do they require overtime or what are their billable hours if it's like a defense firm so that you kind of know what your work-life balance, so to say, might be? What um, advice do you have regarding that? Oh, wow. So I I always look at, you know, how how long their employees have been there. Um, You know, so I'll ask like, you know, 
if somebody been there like for years, but you try not to be too direct and abrasive with it. But that's something that's important because if a job has a lot of turnover, that is a red flag. Cause that to me, it means that it's something going on with the workload. It's something going on with the culture of the firm. And so, you know, you just, you want to know like what people's longevity at the job is. Um, also, this, and this is something new for me, how many employees actually work at the firm? Um, one of my last jobs, the attorney did not have an employee. And I just, he had been in business for a long time. And to not have one employee, you know, I didn't think anything of it then. But then I kind of found out why it hadn't been an employee. And so... <laughs> <laughs> like that was something that you know prior is something that I I never looked at, and then um, also PTO days. It might not seem like a big deal, but know your PTO days. Ask them if they offer PTO. If they have a schedule for the off days, um, it's very important. Find out if your PTO is separate from your sick days. Again, it might not. Sound like a big deal, but I promise you, it's very important. It is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I always ask about PTO, sick time, holidays, you know, insurance benefits, because having insurance is a benefit. And, you know, how much they pay, how much you have to pay, like all of those things go into a decision. But I definitely think finding out over how is this, because, you know, the firm is booming or is it? 14 other people in this role and they just, you know, like it's not something that you want. So you got to ask those tough questions. Yes. And it's necessary. And the one more thing, if you are driving into a job and if you live somewhere that has a major city traffic, like what the commute time is, that is very important to know. And then in certain cities, like, uh, Let's say L.A., they will ask you where you live because they know what the commute like is trying to get outside of L.A. In Atlanta, yeah. they'll ask you, where do you live? Like, is is that a far drive for you? Because the commute is important. If it takes you an hour, hour and a half to get to work on a minimum, it might not necessarily be the best thing for you, especially if you have small kids, if you're trying to get home at a certain time. So... That is something else that I think that you should definitely look into. Yeah. And that should be reciprocated on both sides. Like if you're, you know, concerned about an hour and a half one way commute, they should be concerned about it as well. You know, if you drive three, four hours every day round trip, are you really going to be the best employee for that position? Like that should be a concern for all parties, not just you. Agreed. Oh, my gosh. Can yeah. I my head up? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So of all the cases that I mentioned, and you've worked them all, because I know we worked some of them together, what particular case type was your favorite? And I know it's mostly personal injury, but of that, was it wrongful death? Was it auto accidents, nursing home negligence, premises liability? What was your favorite and why? <laughs> Honestly, it was wrongful death. And it, well, that's it, negative. It's not negative. <laughs> I was going to say, like, is that weird? It 
it was the first thing that I learned how to do at the the firm in Atlanta. And again, you know, like I had no experience, but working the cases and every case was different. So you had to approach it differently with with everyone. And then talking to people as they're grieving, I enjoy helping people like I'm a giver. So it's something that like my heart just yearns for talking to people during their time of need and they come back and they tell you, you know, like you were a part of my healing process that at the time, I don't think that I realized just how important or how significant that was. But thinking back, like that's major because they were probably going through so much that life at the time was a blur. And to think highly enough of you that they allowed you into their grieving and you helped them heal. And then you're also working to help them get justice for their loved ones. Like I, I enjoyed that. It felt like a, um, like a superhero almost. Yeah, that's major. I think I enjoyed the wrongful death cases as well. Um, for the same reasons, I think you could get attached to those cases. So, you know, there has to be a balance. I, mm-hmm. As I sit here, I can think of specific cases that I was attached to probably too much. Um, mm-hmm. I think the same way about mass torts. I think I definitely loved working those, but I would have to agree that wrongful death was one of those areas where you felt like you was actually making a difference. Um, right. And helping the families. And you were there for them at a point in time that, you know, no one could truly understand. So. Agreed. And it's like you don't even realize it as as you were working the cases and you were taking the calls and just being a listening ear that you're offering a type of support. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for clients to find somebody where they can talk to to understand the situation of what they're going through. Even in auto accidents, I have a lot of clients call in and they're like, I don't have anybody to talk to about how I'm feeling or what I'm going through or even understand like what it feels like to be hit in an accident and you're hurting. You don't have your car. You have to deal with the rental. So it's like being that extra support system for the client and and sometimes you talk to them so much, they feel like you're their best friend or right. like you're their therapist. And so I think that that's probably like one of the biggest takeaways is just being able to look outside of a client being just a file and actually building their relationship and getting to know them. So I, I felt like wrongful death is, is something that it, it's just different. <laughs> and I, I loved it. And it, it was just, awesome to be able to work the, the type of cases that we will work. Yeah, I agree. And we we worked those cases in Florida and Georgia. And most people listening know that, you know, we moved from Georgia to Florida during the pandemic because everyone was working remotely. So why not? Why not work remotely from Florida? And then from Florida to California in 2020, have you really noticed anything different in the legal field? between like Florida, Georgia and California? And did you find the transition out here to California to be easy as far as finding a job and your experience transferring and all of that? Honestly, it has been pretty even across the board. I think that the stress of it all was overthinking 
Um, what I realized is that our skill set transfers nationwide. And though it might be different with every state, you know, like some procedural opportunities might be a little different, but our skill set doesn't change. And so once I realized that, that attorneys really are looking at your experience, if they really want you, they'll be willing to teach you how to do certain things. Or if you have a coworker, they'll be willing to teach you, you know, how to do it state specific. But um, that was something that I learned in the pandemic because I had a job in a completely different state and didn't know anything about it. It was Tennessee and did not know anything about Tennessee law or or anything, but I knew how to work a case. And that's all that they wanted. They wanted somebody to have the skill set to be able to move the cases. And that's what I learned during COVID. So, you know, that's another thing. Don't limit yourself. Don't be afraid to, if there's a job that you see on Indeed or um, ZipRecruiter and it says that, you know, you need this experience, go ahead and apply for it. The worst thing they could say is no. Right. But they could also say yes and then teach you and it could just open a different door of opportunity for you. I agree. Totally. Which leads me into my next question, because I know that you spent some time working as like an independent virtual pair, 1099 contractor. How was that experience? And if there's a paralegal out there listening right now that wants to branch out into doing like virtual work, how many years of experience do you think they should have before like dipping their toes into, you know, being a 1099 contractor? Yeah, so 1099, it was good. Um, it had its pros and cons. Um, I will say that the flexibility in your schedule, especially if you're working like long-term assignments and you have it set up with the attorney where you know exactly when you're going to get paid, how much you're going to be paid, and it's consistent, that's great. It's almost like being an employee, except you're 1099. You still have that autonomy to be able to move like you want to move but the work is still done um the downside about being a 1099 is that if you don't work you don't eat so holidays are very difficult when people are taking off for christmas and they're closing their offices um just any holiday and you know like around christmas you have Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, sometimes they give you the day after, then you have New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. So you think about your check being short and like, how will I be able to compensate and make it knowing that my check is going to be short because the work is not there because it's closed. So that's something that you have to think about, um, not having the health insurance benefits where you have to go out, pay your own benefits. It That could be costly as well. And then your good old taxes. Um, so you want to make sure <laughs> that you do, you save because you're going to have to pay your taxes. It's no way around it. So um, take all of those things into consideration. Um, I think that when you, if you want to be 1099, you can jump into it. But just you know, know your fees. Stick if know your fees first and then make sure that it comes to being paid for your services that you and that attorney 
are crystal clear on your payments because again, you know, this is your livelihood. And if you're expecting your payment on a certain day and it does not hit and it doesn't come until two weeks later, you know, that's, that's a, that's going to be a problem. That's not going to work. So definitely make it crystal clear, uh, have a contract for both of you guys and, you know, just don't be afraid to voice what you would want so that way you guys can negotiate. So neither one is being, I don't want to say the word screwed, but neither one is being screwed over, you know? Right. So that would be my recommendation for 1099, but you never know unless you try. So if you're interested in becoming a virtual um, assistant and helping out, the legal bill is perfect for it. Attorneys are always looking for assistance. You just have to make sure that it's going to benefit you and benefit them at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I know I've been in different and they say, you know, you have to have 20 plus years of experience before you could branch out and do 1099. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think, you know, you could jump into it a lot sooner as long as you are offering services that you actually know how to do. Like, don't say you want to write demands if you don't know what a demand is. So, you know, offer services that you're confident with, that you can turn around, you know, in a reasonable amount of time. And then the whole payment situation, because we've worked together some matters and thought we were going to get paid, didn't get paid. Sometimes, you know, the attorney goes ghost, you have to hunt them down. Then at the end of the day, it's like, don't even worry about it. So yeah, attorneys that you work for, I don't think that you can take any and all assignments. You have to be kind of picky um, because your time is valuable. And if you have a feeling that you're not going to get paid, you might want to maybe get a retainer up front, um, you know, something to protect yourself because... We know that's not a good feeling. It's not. And I I also feel like you have to be realistic with yourself and with the attorney, especially if you are doing a contract work on the side and you have a job. It's hard to come home and you're working all day and then you jump into another assignment that's going to take six hours after you've been at work all day. So make sure like you're you're realistic that you know you might not be able to to build time for this amount so set yourself up so that you can be successful because it's like you never want to turn down business but at the same time you don't want to be so burnt out that your work product um starts to suffer or you know you're missing deadlines because you're just tired and exhausted so that's something else I would recommend is just being realistic with yourself and with them. And they might not be the attorney that you need to work with, or you might not be the best fit at the time for what they need right now, which is okay. But they Definitely. can keep you in mind for another project. So um, yeah. that's, that's something else that has been a learning experience as well. You have to set those healthy boundaries because if you're working you know, a hundred hours a week, are you really in a position where you have more flexibility to be with your family or your kids or, you know, do hobbies or other things that you enjoy doing? You really don't, you know, you're in a worse situation than just keeping your nine to five. So definitely be realistic with yourself. Yes, a hundred percent. And my very last question, but certainly not least, is what's next for Allison Kite? I know I mentioned that you're doing an entrepreneur program you're certified as a paralegal. What 
What do you want to conquer and achieve next? Oh, wow. I really want to get into the management side of the law firm, like in operations. I have this, um, it's weird. I have this love for numbers. Like I love seeing um, your numbers balance out. I love seeing the numbers move, you know, progressively up, never down. And so I would love to get into, <laughs> I would love to get into the operations side to help, you know, build up a firm, um, maybe even do some consulting. Um, I'm all about like wanting to teach the younger generation and help them, you know, move up through the ranks as well, because I feel like that's what happened with me, that I was blessed to be able to work with people who really believed in my ability and they supported me through my journey. And so I think having that um, mentality and mindset, it will help in anybody who's trying to grow. And then, you know, you never know, you might have a friend who's becoming an attorney who needs some help growing their law firm. Like, wouldn't that be great? And wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? And you help them build their firm. They trust you because they know that you're about the business side, but they've actually seen how you operate in business. So um, that would be like the next goal for me is to really learn management, um, to help learn in marketing as well. And that's why I enrolled in that course uh, because I just want to continue to add things under my belt. I want to be an asset not only in a job, but in life, you know? So, yeah. So that that's what's next. You never know. I still might end up choreographing somebody's tour, but I, I think management, <laughs> I think management is getting probably my next goal. <laughs> yeah, we're going to stick to that one. We're going to stick to that one. I mean, I, right. I don't mean right. I, Thank you for joining me, Allison, and for answering all of my random questions. Thank you for being my guinea pig in this very first interview. We will definitely have to get you back on here again and dig a little bit deeper. If someone wants to connect with you, are you on Instagram, Facebook? How can people kind of find you? Um, I am on both. So on Facebook... It's my government name. It's Allison Lee Kite. And my last name is spelled K-I-G-H-T. So if you're looking for K-I-T-E, you'll never find me. Um, <laughs> on Instagram, my name is... I should know my name. Let me tell you. Um, on Instagram, you said I'm Aquarius27, the number 27, underscore Allie Cat with a K. I know I'll take all of that in the show notes because that's a lot. Pretty I know that's listening, <laughs> sitting in traffic on a afternoon. Her Instagram and Facebook information will be in the show notes along with information on National Paralegal College. Because <laughs> that's a lot. Right. Well, anyway. I would just say thank you so much for allowing me to interview for the podcast. Um, I am so proud of what you're doing, and I believe that this platform is just going to continue to grow and just keep doing your thing, girl. Like you're killing it. I think I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you again. We'll have to have you back, 
Um, but again, I'll put all of her information in the show notes. Thank you, Allison. I appreciate your time. And we'll definitely have to get back in touch. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right, guys. There you have it. Thank you for tuning in to the very first That Law Life podcast interview. Thank you, Allison, again, for agreeing to be my guinea pig and do this first interview with me. Again, if you have any questions on topics or things that we didn't cover, or if you just like, you know, a personal question about becoming a paralegal, the knowledge certificate, anything like that, please send me a message. Um, I will make sure that all of Allison's information is linked in the show notes, as well as information to National Paralegal College. If you haven't already, don't forget to catch up on all the past episodes on Spotify. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts. Until then, I will see you guys back next week for another new episode. Make sure you follow me over on IG at Legally Kathy and at That Law Life Podcast. Have a great rest of the week. Have a great weekend. And I'll see you back right here next Friday. Bye.